So the Civiclux Radio Hour has been on a little bit of a break for a while. We took some time away from the podcast to work on some other projects and uh, make sure that when we did come back with podcasts that we were doing it as well as we could. But in light of the recent coronavirus uh, outbreak in the United States and around the world, we have had to halt all of our in-person programming, which is so much of what we do. So in lieu of that, we've started hosting a series of digital town halls online talking about how this crisis is impacting um, different sectors of the community development landscape in Lexington. So since we're spending so much time talking with folks around the city, we decided that we could also distribute this through our podcast medium. So what you're about to hear is the second in a series of town halls uh, that we have hosted and are going to be continuing to host over the next um, couple months while we're still in the midst of this crisis. Um, this conversation was um, facilitated by my colleague, Megan Gullah, and was focused on how COVID-19 and the coronavirus outbreak have impacted uh, the food service industry. In this digital town hall, we talk with Alexandra Canada of A Cup of Commonwealth, Dan Wu of Atomic Ramen, and the Lee Initiative, and Rebecca Self of Food Chain, about how each of them are working to address issues within the local food system during this crisis. Alexandra Canada talks about how their business, which is uniquely focused on building community, is faring in a time in which we can't see each other. Dan Wu talks about his work with the Lee Initiative to try and make sure that food service workers that have been laid off or put on furlough during this crisis have food that they can put on their tables. And we talk with Rebecca Self about the work that her organization, Food Chain, is doing to make sure that no kids in Fayette County go hungry during the crisis. So here we go. We're excited to uh, put out our first podcast episode in months. <laughs> um, so here you go. Our town hall on how COVID-19 is impacting local food systems. So today we're going to be talking about how um, COVID-19 is affecting restaurants, um, employees, owners, and just the industry as a whole in Lexington. Um, and we have a few people here who are in, you know, in the restaurant sector, Dan Wu, who is um, a chef and owner of Atomic Ramen, um, Alex Canada, who, I'll let you introduce yourselves, <laughs> Alex Canada, um, from Couple Commonwealth, and Becca Self from Food Chain. Um, so they're kind of our guest speakers, our resident experts. Um, and then if we want to go around, just everyone who's also in this um, call, conversation meeting, we'll just quickly like say, you know, state your name um, and how maybe like, you know, why you're, um, you're here in this conversation, you know, what you want to learn. Um, and then I'll let the, we'll have the guest speakers just speak, um, you know, talk a few minutes about what they're experiencing and how they're dealing with this. Um, and then we'll just open it up to everyone and we can just all kind of have a, a free form conversation about this topic. Does that sound good? Mm -hmm. good? Okay, cool. Um, whoever wants to start first, you go. You go. go for it, Dan. Oh no, I'm usually alphabetically last, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going last. Uh, this is Dan Wu from Atomic Ramen. Uh, I'm in this conversation because uh, A, I'm part of the restaurant industry, and B, we're working with uh, a lot a lot of really great folks on uh, different programs to help um, people in the industry in general, restaurants uh, at large, and um, out-of-work restaurant workers as well, and we'll talk more about that, I'm sure. Um, I'm Alex Canada and I am from a cup of Commonwealth and yeah, I'm, um, also just kind of like Dan, um, cafes are a part of the restaurant industry right now. And so just kind of, uh, figuring out life, how that looks right now, um, and collaborating with a lot of awesome people from the city. Um, and I'm Becca uh, with Food Chain. I am not part of the restaurant world, so I feel um, slightly like an imposter of being in this conversation. Um, 
but I, uh, food chain is very connected with a lot of the hospitality industry um, and have worked with them as partners and are trying to think in this new um, crisis of how we can be relevant and how we can support our um, local expertise when it comes to food service and hospitality and at the same time work to make sure that the ballooning population that that is um, hungry or on the margins or in need of food um, can be served. So really matchmaking as much as possible, but using the assets that we have um, at our disposal um, for the, the best outcome. What about the other folks that are on the call? Um, any that are not one of the guest speakers? Everyone should introduce themselves. Yeah, Richard. Jump in. Oh, hi. I'm Richard uh, with Civic Lex. <laughs> okay, my name's Megan. Um, I'm also with Civic Lex. Uh, Lisa Atkins with Bluegrass Community <laughs> Foundation, and I'm just intensely interested in the topic. Hey, Lisa. Um, I'm Sarah Trapp. I'm also with Civic Lex. Hi, I'm Matt Wilson at UK. <laughs> I know there are more of you on the call. I see you. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm Alex. I'm Becca and Dan, but just more Alex. <laughs> um, I'm Bonnie Schwab. I used to work in the restaurant industry, and now I'm at BCTC. Mm -hmm. Bonnie. I'm Liz Sheehan. I work at UK, but I'm just looking for ideas for how to support folks in the community. Awesome. Is that everybody? I think there was. I think there's one more person, but we'll let them get away with it. <laughs> so I've got a few questions. Um, it's whatever you know, kind of works better for you all. I've got about like nine questions we want to go that way or if people just want to jump in kind of had the questions just in case people were a little bit shy about speaking up um do you want to just do we have a lot of questions like in the group what do you all think and i can't hear i, I don't think we're a shy one okay yeah so we can just jump in um, um i don't know um I guess first off, um, I was going to ask. I think like, how uh, you know, I I can't speak for the entire industry, obviously, but um, I. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, yes. Megan, were you going to ask something? Yeah, sorry. There's a lag, a little bit on my computer. Um, I was just going to ask, like, to start it, like, yeah. how has your business been affected by COVID nineteen so far? Just to jump in, uh, my business personally with, yeah, with Atomic Ramen, uh, I've been officially closed, closed for uh, just over a week, about nine days now. Uh, we have a location out of the summit that we completely shuttered as of last Monday night, uh, laid off all of my people. And then uh, I also have a location on UK's campus. We were supposed to come back in some form of partial strength uh, this week, the week after UK spring break. But UK is essentially canceled and everybody's off campus now. So that also dried up. So basically every source of revenue I have um, as a brick and mortar business uh, and as a catering business is gone. So all my people are laid off. So I've been throwing all of my efforts into um, all this nonprofit work that's that's going on now. Mm -hmm. And how are you like, how are your employees? I guess, has everyone filed for unemployment or like, how are you dealing with that? And yourself too, how are you making up for that revenue? Yeah, so my employees, uh, I know several of them have filed for unemployment. I don't know about everybody. Uh, I gave them all the resources and all the links to it, uh, told them that a lot of the restrictions uh, on unemployment applications would be off. So most of them would have a really good shot at it. And then uh, as of uh, yesterday or the day before, uh, Bashir came down and basically said self-employed people can now apply for unemployment. So that includes me as well. So that's something I'm going to look into. Um, I, I'm, I'm okay and financially, personally. Um, uh, I can't speak for the business because the business right now doesn't exist. So obviously I d I'm not 
paying my rent for the next uh, foreseeable months. I've got uh, at some point I'm going to, I guess, shut off my power and water and gas. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. Everything feels up in the air and I don't want my kitchen to go to waste because it's a, you know, a built up facility that can feed people. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of reticent to shut everything completely down if I'm not really sure which direction we're going. And I think that's probably the biggest heartache for really all business owners is we have no idea where the end of the tunnel is right now. So it makes it impossible for us to make any sort of plan. Mm -hmm. Alex, have you kind of, have you, are you seeing the same sorts of things? Yeah, so we had three stores um, and we had to close two of them as of last week. Um, and so we're just uh, kind of pushing all of our efforts into the downtown location. Um, and we are really just trying to take care of um, our employees. We had to cut the hours of, um, I think it was about 32 employees. We had to kind of bring down to zero hours. Um, so it was super bare bones, um, kind of just the management staff um, handling it uh, for the time being. And we're trying to add people in as we can. So our first priority is taking care of our braces and figuring that out. Mm -hmm. um, and really just trying to make sure that they get through this to the end. Um, and then hopefully being able to get our other stores open at some point as well. Mm -hmm. Becca, how about you? How has Food Chain responded? Um, well, so I think um, there, you know, like I was saying earlier, we are not part of the restaurant industry. Um, uh, so the, you know, there's a, there's a parallel world um, going on in the nonprofit industry of what does the future of philanthropy look like? Um, you know, in this avalanche of need, um, you know, we don't want to be competing with, uh, you know, local businesses and all that kind of stuff for a finite number of dollars and support. Um, but specifically because of uh, Food Chain's mission about forging community with fresh food, um, very, very early on, um, basically as soon as it was clear that the schools were going to shut down, um, because our focus is around community, we tried to figure out, okay, well, um, while our normal routes and programs of connecting food to community are not uh, viable right now, um, what, what is the way we can um, be of use? Um, and I think that is kind of the, the heart of any nonprofit, right? Is like, how, how do we serve a need? Um, so we, we have really, uh, restructured, um, uh, we've, we've tried to figure out again, uh, what do we have at our disposal? Um, from a financial standpoint, it's, it's a little bit tricky because I do think this is such a global epidemic that there are still funders out there who are desperate to and see so much need and such mounting need, um, but try to figure out a way to help people in a way that is valid, um, it, heaven forbid, you know, in a way that's safe. Um, so it's questioning a lot of the previous models of um, uh, prioritizing efficiency and mass production and you know, let's just make a whole lot of commodity food and get everybody in a big room and get it out the door. You know, it's all different permutations. So um, it's a lot of it's I mean, uh, aside from the like terrifyingness of it, it is a lot of problem solving um, and inventorying of w what is out there. How do we string these things together? Um, I think Food Chain uh does that fairly well and even more importantly our team is really really hard working of like trying to figure out what can i physically do in this space um so we we've, we've changed a lot of our well we changed everything about our daily operations but primarily again trying to pivot so to what we could do so being able to prepare meals um, that was kind of a no-brainer, but then also leaning on our community ties of how can we distribute those safely, who's already on the front lines, who is a trusted face, who knows where the need is, how can we distribute that in a way that is um, where people need it, um, how can we tap into, you know, different, <laughs> those sorts of things, um, how can we scale up, how can we create a model um, where are the gaps? Um, we've, we're, we're trying to figure out where are people going hungry? Um, how can we plug in resources that will allow them to uh, not be as hungry? 
um, figuring out stuff with school lunches for next week when spring break is is um, happening. Um, uh, so yeah, just I think we're we're just constantly scanning the landscape of where are their needs and how can we plug into them. Mm -hmm. Have you found that need grow? I'm assuming you have just based on, yeah, like, how is that, what does that look like for you? Sure, sure. I mean, it's, it's interesting. We've had a lot of conversations this week um, because we have so many dear, dear friends within the restaurant community. Um, you know, we're, we're used to, we're used to thinking, and I think the local food scene in Lexington is so generous. And Dan, of course, is part of this. Um, we're used to thinking of where we have excess and how can we get it to where there is a lack. And all of a sudden those streams have come together, right? So people with expertise in preparing food now don't have jobs and suddenly have needs themselves. So in some ways it's put everything in the blender of like, we are all now on the need side in some way, even if it's just like, I need some mental support, but how do we stitch together the expertise that we still have, right? Like this virus didn't take away anybody's um, know-how and anybody's skills. We just have to figure out a way to utilize those skills where everybody can feel valued and contributing, taking away stigmas of needing help, um, but also using the resources that are already in place. You know, So we may not be able to interact in the way that we did before, but we still know people and we still, um, can do that in a safe way. It just looks different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dan, do you want to speak a little bit about like your work sort of organizing people in the restaurant industry and setting up support networks for them? Yeah, sure. Um, we, we kind of started with one project and kind of morphed into another. Um, we started off, um, it seems like a million years ago now, but it's only literally been like a couple of weeks. Uh, we started a thing called lexunite.com where we kind of centralized um, uh, gift card sales for all kinds of different food-related businesses on one page. We made this really great video that had all these uh, different uh, Lexington food people involved. And um, so we got that started and then immediately kind of pivoted towards the idea of feeding people, uh, knowing that we had restaurants closing one by one all over the place who would have excess food that they wanted to get rid of. Uh, along with people going out of work and people with, uh, as Becca said, knowledge and know-how about how to feed people, uh, but no no uh, business way to do it anymore. And as we were in the middle of figuring this stuff out, uh, Samantha Four is part of our team, and she said, hey, we just got some money from uh, the Lee Initiative. And I misheard her because I didn't think that that was possible. So I said, well, how do we convert our plan into like a grant proposal so we can get some money from Lee Initiative? And she said, no, we got money from the Lee Initiative. We're a part of the Lee Initiative. And I said, what? Okay. So that's how, that's how things happened. Um, so we literally started um, as, uh, if you want to think about the Lee Initiative, so it was started by Chef Edward Lee out of Louisville and he has restaurants in Louisville and Washington, D.C., um, but now I think the initiative is in 14 cities. Um, they're growing like crazy. You can look at it almost as a franchise model. We're basically taking a local restaurant, converting it into a restaurant workers relief center where we're basically cooking food and handing out meals and handing out household supplies like tampons and toilet paper and baby food, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so we literally started last night. We're operating out of the Great Bagel on Boston Road. Uh, and every night of the week, 5 to 7 p.m., we're handing out uh, household supplies and we're handing out meals uh, to people in the industry. We're asking for pay stubs so we can see that somebody works in the hospitality industry. But ultimately, we're not going to turn anybody away. If you show up uh, you know, at our curbside, you'll, you'll get something. Mm -hmm. How did you have a lot of people show up for that? Uh, yeah, I wasn't there last night, but mm -hmm. we gave out, I think we were shooting for 200 to 300 meals, and I think we gave out just under 200 meals, mm -hmm. uh, along with a bunch of household supplies. Uh, so right now, for us, the greatest need is money, volunteers, and donations of goods. Uh, donations of goods also includes, like, food. We've had a lot of great, generous uh, donations of food from places like Creation Gardens, which is a regional um, supplier for the restaurant industry. Um, all kinds of restaurants have uh, donated supplies and disposable containers and, you know, paper goods, all kinds of stuff. We've gotten money donations and 
gotten donations of things like diapers and, and household stuff. So it's all coming in, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a nonstop need and I can foresee the need growing uh, day by day. Mm-hmm. Where can people drop off supplies if they want to donate or how do they, like, how can they volunteer to you or sign up to volunteer? Yeah. So, uh, great, great bagel on Boston road mm-hmm. is where you can drop off physical donations. Go to leeinitiative.com to donate money. Uh, on there, you can choose, and you can click on the um, Restaurant Workers Relief Fund, and then you can. There's a pull-down menu. You can select Lexington specifically to fund uh, out of all the 14 cities. Um, and then, uh, in terms of volunteers, we're tweaking that a little bit, but um, we'll be throwing that out there on social media. If you look for hashtag Lee Initiative or hashtag LexUnite, uh, right now what we're looking for in terms of volunteers are people with food handlers permits, and then we're trying to put a emphasis on bilingual volunteers as well. People can speak more than one language because we want to make sure that um, different communities and uh, immigrant communities aren't being left out of this whole process. Mm-hmm. Do you have an idea of the time span that it could go as well? Like, or is it set up that it can go, you know, if this lasts for months, that it can still support people for that long? Yeah. So basically, uh, the Lee Initiative initially, the, the seed money is funded by Makers Mark, who have generously donated a ton of money to the whole national program, and then each little individual satellite uh, city outpost, if you will, or uh, franchise, uh, we get a certain amount of money to start. And then we're kind of, we're partly on our own for um, raising money, and then we can, uh, I don't know exactly what the process is for drawing more funds from Lee Initiative itself. So we're going to try to operate lean and mean the way you know how in the restaurant industry and um, try to operate for as long as possible honestly so there's no timeline to it we're going to run as long as we can run that's fantastic uh, alex um i haven't like, sort of been left out i feel like i wanted to bring you back in um uh, like how has how has Hepa commonwealth sort of restructured and like what are you finding successful um for you and like just how yeah what changes have you seen and and how are you dealing with that and what's working and what's not and how are you doing yeah. Um, so it kind of, it really felt like we went from, um, business as usual to having to go into survival mode, um, and adjust everything, you know, within days, sometimes within hours, it felt like we were changing the plan, um, really having to learn how to adapt. Um, right now we're doing curbside all day, um, at our downtown location. Um, we did kind of adjust the hours. So we close at 5 PM, um, and then 1 PM on Sunday, but, uh, so curbside, anyone can, they can call in their order. They can walk up to the door and we'll take their order. And then, um, we're also doing deliveries from eight to one every day. Um, and it's, uh, within a three mile radius. So, uh, right now we, like I said before, we kind of are just bare bones, um, with staff. Um, but we have been able to like bring a few people back. Um, I think we're up to 10 as of this weekend, Mm -hmm. um, which we started with five last week. Um, so just kind of helping to facilitate some of that, um, and as cars are kind of coming up and as phone calls are coming in and, uh, and then we've also really revamped our online store. Um, so we're kind of pushing people to that. If they want to buy a tab for the future if they want to, or, or right now, um, if they want to buy a gift card, um, or, you know, just different coffees or merchandise, uh, we have that available as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting and, um, we've had to, kind of roll with the punches every day mm-hmm. and um you know go from initially just saying like oh we'll sanitize everything mm-hmm. 10 times as much as we were already or um we'll start doing the social distance stuff and then having to really move into um okay this is how this is normal right now mm-hmm. so have your what have your numbers been like how to you know comparing like february and march is it starting to pick up now? Like you were saying, you're getting more orders in, um, but as for like compared to a normal, sort of this time in a normal year, what has this done to your business? Right. So, um, you know, since, since we are part of the restaurant industry and the restaurant industry as a whole, I think is down like 50 to 70%. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're, we are part of that. We are feeling it as a company. It is drastically different from what it was a year ago this time, um, or like even a month ago. Um, but really it's been just incredible to see people come by and support and just to see our friends our customers um kind of rally and really help us out um i think there's just been like so many cool things from people who 
went to Georgetown, the Georgetown location regularly. They're driving all the way to Lexington um, to see us. And, you know, they're just in the car, they pull up and we give them their drink and then they're like, all right, bye, like, good to see you, um, which is really wonderful. And we've had um, customers who will, you know, we had one customer who paid with a $50 bill for a coffee to keep the change. He did that like three or four days in a row. Um, and so it's just been really cool. Lots of really, um, I think tearjerker moments that have, um, shown up even in the midst of us kind of being in that survival mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really inspiring. Just like we are, and we're trying to get through this and like we're getting through it together. Um, I know Dan, like that kind of brings me, like we were talking on the phone the other day. Um, and I wanted to ask all of you, sort of, was there anything about sort of Lexington's you know, food and beverage community that makes it, you know, more, more the storm, like more weatherable or, you know, like what was, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think in the, um, in the best of times, we were a very uh, cohesive food community. When uh, a new restaurant would open, other restaurateurs would, would rally and promote them and help them. You would see bars and coffee shops doing like uh, tap takeover type things where they're collaborating instead of competing. So mm-hmm. I've always felt like Lexington has had a really great, very supportive, um, tight-knit community. And it really uh, proved itself in times like this where things are just crazy and terrible for everyone and what you're seeing a lot of is people coming out and not just saying hey help my business help me survive but help us survive help the whole community survive hey help these other businesses you know um there was a a tv interview with uh kevin headcote from bourbon that said something you know i i'm breaking down in tears a couple of days over something these days uh, but it really hit me because uh, we were talking about Lex Unite and we were talking about the gift cards. And he said, Bourbon and Toulouse has been around for like 15 years. I'm feeling really bad for the people who have only been open a couple of years. Mm-hmm. We have our feet underneath us. We'll be okay. Don't buy gift cards from us. Mm-hmm. Go buy gift cards from these newer, smaller places. And then in the comment section of that post, uh, multiple people also said that, like, don't worry about us, we'll be okay, go support somebody else. And that's so heartening to see that the community really does kind of come together. And the speeding program and other um, programs, you'll see, like, you know, you can attest to food chain, you know, their kitchen, besides their uh, regular uh, paid staff, there are volunteers right now who are really out of work cooks and chefs from other restaurants. They're not standing around feeling sorry for themselves they're putting themselves to work to help the community whether or not for money so it's it's been great to see is that what you're experiencing as well alex and rebecca yeah for sure and i think that um it's not accidental the people who end up working in food um you know there is at, at its very basic food is about nourishment it is about connecting with one another um, so I think it is a um, a self-segregating population of people who work with food from many, many different paths that arrive at food as something where you um, you see the, the much bigger benefits in working in it. Um, and so, I, I mean, it's I agree with Dan. I think it's in, it's incredibly heartening um, and emotional to see the rawness of it. Um, and yet it, it is very familial. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we always talk about, I've, I've said many, many times before, one of my favorite party questions is to ask people about their favorite food memory. And I've, I've never, I've been asking that question for years. I've never had someone answer of eating anything alone. You know, there is something that is always around, um, being with someone else as you enjoy that meal or that drink or, you know, what have you. And so. I think we're seeing that rippling out. I mean, the economics are terrifying, and I think not knowing where this is going is even more overwhelming, let alone the health fears. Um, but food is really grounding. Um, uh, and so I think there is some, some solidarity and some assurance of that um, and why people are so quick to figure out how, how can they feed someone? You know, at the, at strip it all away, how can, how can we feed someone? And, you know, it's really hard. Of like, I can't share a meal with someone in the same way I would have before, but we can 
we can share expertise, we can share ingredients, we can we can find a way to work within these new parameters and hopefully they won't last forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, We've really just appreciated when businesses are really thinking about the people first, because I think that, you know, that's really what all of our goals should be, right? Like our, whether it's a nonprofit or a restaurant, um, a cafe, whatever, like people is the important part. So I think um, when restaurants and uh, as they're prioritizing their staff and, um, and prioritizing the people, um, who they come in contact with, I think that's just super important. Um, and it really makes a difference long-term. Um, and like Becca was saying like that familial kind of thing, um, it really is cool to see people kind of coming together um, with a common cause of, you know, not just like, I want my business back open, which of course we do, but like, we're taking care of our people. How can we help you take care of your people? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just so cool to see that response like throughout the city. Um, I did want to ask, like, are there any support measures, and Dan, this is another one we talked about on the phone call, um, are there any support measures out there to help restaurants make up for lost revenues? And we talked a little bit about the Small Business um, Association and loans, um, so if you want to talk a little bit about loans and why, you know, the, the sort of pros and cons about that, and like what restaurants can do with that and what they can't do, like how far those measures can go, um, because it sounds like it's not quite enough, um, and it's not accessible to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's not only for me, uh, from my point of view, it's not only not enough, but it's I don't know if it's the right approach because mm -hmm. as a small business owner, um, when I think about a loan, I'm looking to open a restaurant or expand a restaurant or do some sort of growth measure. It's a, it's a positive thing that I want to do that I need some infusion of cash to do. Uh, it's the way I implement a plan. Right now, things are so uncertain. Nobody has. I don't know what the future of Atomic Ramen looks like in a month, in two months, in a year. I have no idea. So the idea of me taking out a loan, no matter how low the interest rate is right now, me taking out a loan feels absurd because what am I supposed to do with it right now? Am I going to move to a different location? Am I buying equipment? Am I hiring people? Like I'm not doing any of those things. What am I supposed to do with a loan? Um, that's the frustrating thing. I think the loan comes into play a few months from now, mm -hmm. hopefully a few months from now, when things are returning to some level of normalcy, that's when the loans come in. Right now, everybody is in survival mode. What I want is for my employees to get paid in one way or another, whether that's unemployment or some other benefit um, from local, state, or, or federal government. I, I need for my employees to be okay uh, and to keep being able to pay their rent and put food on their table when I'm not able to provide that anymore as a as an employer, uh, we need uh, assistance for the businesses themselves that, you know, we're going to continue to have bills, uh, mm -hmm. though we're not bringing, so we need that help to survive to the point where a loan becomes useful. And right now it's really not. So I feel like the, the approaches coming on from, uh, from on high are uh, a bit mis misguided. Mm -hmm. it, does that go for the grants too? Because I know we had posted on our like Civic Lex website that there was a, like a was, was how much was it? Hundred million? I can't remember how much from Facebook for like small business grants, but yeah. it's sort of the same. It's at least something you don't have to pay back, but it's still not. Yeah, not everybody's gonna get it. Well, that's 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 the huge difference, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So for for me, like if I were to apply for a grant, it would literally just be to keep this this concept, this this storefront or this business afloat until the point where I can reopen, mm -hmm. at which point I'll probably need more funds yeah. to reopen because it's not like time was stopped. I just start right back as normal. I have to buy equipment. I have to buy food. I have to hire people back. I have to train new people because I'm mm -hmm. not going to get all those people back. Uh, there are all kinds of other startup costs. Uh, I might end up having to move, you know what I mean, if uh, if I have to move out of my space for whatever reason. So th there are a lot of costs associated with it. Mm -hmm. So what do restaurants, like, if you could just, like, your wish list, I guess, or if you could just ask for something and get it, like, what do restaurants need right now? Is it just cash? <laughs> like, you just need uh, cash, pretty much. I, I think so. Yeah, honestly, it's it's cash. If I mm -hmm. didn't have any, you know, um, 
costs, if I didn't have bills to pay and rent to pay and taxes to pay, um, then I, I guess I'd be okay for right now. Um, you know, I personally can get along okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it really is. It's just to keep things afloat. We're not able to move in a forward direction right now because we don't know what forward looks like right now because the waters are so murky and dangerous. Um, so we just need to stay afloat. And if we don't, if we can't stay afloat, then we sink. And then several months later, when the health crisis blows over, uh, it could be a really devastating landscape of, you know, I've heard numbers thrown around. I don't know what they're based on, but, you know, that three quarters of small businesses could be done for good, for mm -hmm. all we know. Like, I don't know what that landscape looks like. That It's terrifying to think about. Mm -hmm. And Alex and Rebecca and, and Dan as well, like, what do you... I guess thinking of um, restaurants and employees, um, what do you, like, how can Lexington best support you? Um, was a question I had. Um, I think, um, I mean, people have already been really showing up, which is awesome. Uh, we did set up a Venmo account um, specifically for the employees that we had to drop their hours down to zero. Um, so people were kind of asking how they could help. And what we're doing with that is every $5 that's donated, we're throwing, we're matching it with a pay it forward um, that someone can use now or later. Um, and it's just like any drink for anybody. Um, uh, and uh, so that's like a big way uh, that people can help if they want to. Um, it's on our social media, you can find it. Um, but I think even just like continuing to, to come by, um, continuing to, to, you know, by gift cards or tabs. Um, and even just like the people who are checking up on us and like texting us, I think those are like, you know, they seem really small and it's like, you know, maybe that's not money in that moment, but that is like encouragement for us to keep going forward. I think that's so helpful. Um, and yeah, just the, the constant, um, coming by is, is really, really wonderful for us. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, my role as a director of a nonprofit is always to talk about the ways in which people can support the mission of our work. Um, I mean, we are a 501c3, so people can make tax, uh, chair, you know, tax um, deductible donations through our website, which is foodchainlux.org. But at this point in time, I feel like we are really just a conduit of trying to um, help people who are on the margins. Um, so, you know, by, you know, this isn't about trying to, keep food chain afloat at this point. This is really just about buying ingredients and to-go containers and, um, you know, getting, uh, being able to, to pay somebody to produce, you know, prepare those meals if it's beyond the capacity that we do. Um, so in terms of how, you know, how to help ha support all these people on the calls, you know, support our local businesses. Um, I do think that, um, Nonprofits have different angles that we can pull from, but again, like the the, no one knows what is ahead. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we're we're kind of in a similar boat of well, let's let's work on this twenty four hour plan and then see what how this plan shift and how the water rises tomorrow, and then you know what not, what new needs open up. Um, uh, that we can you know try to bring a band aid to a hospital with. Um, uh, not get demoralized by what seems like an overwhelming amount um, of, of challenges, but just, you know, mend what we can. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful to be doing this in this community because I do think everyone is bringing their Band-Aids to the hemorrhaging wound. Um, and while we're not going to stop it, at least it's not just going unchecked. Mm -hmm. Is there anything um, just... The general public can do for food chain you know probably just always donations are one thing yeah um, but do you need like personnel support or supplies or um we i mean right now our big need is is um donations for a couple of different um pro like projects we're working on we realized well we realized actually a couple weeks ago when the public schools announced their bus bite program mm -hmm. that they were um that they weren't going to be providing meals during spring break mm -hmm. uh, and um we thought we had another avenue to fund that and it turns out that we don't so we are trying we've tried to figure out actually the needs is well beyond the capacity that food chain could prepare but mm -hmm. we're trying to work with other local entities and restaurants and caterers that could potentially 
contract to prepare those meals. Mm -hmm. um, and then food chain can help figure out the logistics for that. Um, so just today, I know it's ridiculous. The timelines are obscene on this, but um, starting on month, we we launched a that you know there's no break for hunger. Um, trying to figure out ways of funding the preparation of those meals so we can distribute those safely. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big thing that we're working on right now. But then going forward, you know, we've been preparing since last Tuesday between 200 and 300 meals a day out of food chain kitchen. We think we can really ramp that up and potentially um, involve more and more um, food uh, expertise in preparing those meals but also helping to find the need and distribute those safely. So, you know, there's a lot of, I feel like we're doing a lot of logistics um, mm -hmm. of re restructuring. And in some ways that's a great way where people can help, but it's mm -hmm. also figuring out, okay, you know what, who knows where to go containers are now? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's so funny. Like toilet paper was this insane thing right. at, like within the food sector. Now it's like, who's got a line to, you know, to go containers um mm -hmm. things like that um, yeah you know who can they if someone does have have a, have a line on this kind of stuff like who can yeah they contact, yeah um, to get that to you all like, yeah what's, the, what's a contact um for you yeah if someone yeah, wants what's to a contact for us yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So our, our website is foodchainlex.org. Um, we set up a new email address that actually points to a bunch of people because not everybody's at their computer all the time right now. Mm -hmm. It's just help at foodchainlex.org. Um, okay. So um, that's an easy way for people to get to us. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I wanted to open it up to anyone else here in the conversation. Um, does anyone have any questions or want, you know, like have something to say, have experience that they want to share? Um, jump in. No. <laughs> I'll jump in. I'll, I feel yeah. like you always say like, nobody's one. I... Sorry, Dan. What were you saying? Go, go. go. Um, all right. Uh, I feel like you always kind of need someone to like jump in. Uh, you know, like mix it up with, uh, to to get anyone to feel comfortable talking. Uh, so I I actually have a um. A question uh, for Becca, and this is something that I've been uh, seeing. Go ahead and prepare to unmute your mic, Becca. Um, this is something that I've been kind of thinking about and talking with some other folks in the past few days. And it's like, how do you, as a um, as a nonprofit executive, right, like think about both this immediate term and think about this sort of very long trajectory of your organization? It, you know, and how do you hold both of those things at the same time? Or do you? Or is it just like everything's dropped for you all to just focus yeah. on this crisis now? I mean, the, like the most wrong answer is you there is like, I don't I don't have a crystal ball. Um, like, I don't I don't know what the long term trajectory is. I think as a nonprofit, we we have had new I've had numerous conversations this week and continue to be like percolating of how, you know, this is our, our overarching mission for the IRS is forging links between community and fresh food. I think what we're doing now still fits within that. So we got to make sure that our mission hasn't drifted so far that we're like now doing something that we're not meant to be doing, but you know, a huge piece of what food chain does, and this is my background is education. Um, so we, I've been having conversations, um, with my team, which everybody is basically like put on a different hat right now. Um, how do we, as the weeks continue on, how do we bring in education into this? Um, you know, so it's, it is, I think a like triage situation first of like, okay, what, what like the hierarchy of needs, you know, we, I'm, I'm not going to be out there talking about, well, this is how we can build an aquaponic system. If someone is starving. Um, and yet as this continues, and we maybe can can like put a tourniquet on for the like the most dramatic things and figure out some systems for that. How can we bring in education and how can we take this as an opportunity to have some way bigger conversations of like, hey, you know what? This brought to light some pretty like uh, bad circumstances. So, for example, with this school lunch thing, right? If there's anything that comes out of this, I certainly hope that we can have a larger societal conversation in this country of like the idea that hunger for our families is in some way tied on our public school system is, pardon my word, asinine, right? Like the fact that shutting yeah. the school system, like 
I mean, New York couldn't shut their school system because they have so home, so many homeless kids that would otherwise starve. Like that is a burden that is that is not right. That is an injustice. Same thing with employment and healthcare, right? Like of letting people go, what's going to happen to their healthcare? Like these are like the, the social safety net. Like not to get too much on a soapbox, but like if if something can come from this, it is like we need better systems in place. And telling our public school superintendent, hey, we're going to need you to figure out a logistics system where your bus drivers are figuring out how to feed hungry kids. Like, what the heck? Like, oh, and by the way, figure out telelearning. Um, so, you know, and saying to employers, you don't know how you're going to pay your electric bill next month, but hopefully your employees who you no longer can pay can also afford to get treatment. Like that, th these are just unrealistic expectations. And I think us, we knew this all along, but it was really easy to, like we patched it together in the most threadbare way that we could close our eyes to it. And now we can't. So um, I, I hope that Food Chain can help be part of those discussions or at least tell people they better be ready to have those conversations because we're not going to forget about it. But also, you know, from a personal mission, how do we get education into this, you know, how do we, you know, how, how can we get, get the, um, see it as an opportunity for the public to be more connected with their food? Um, you know, this is a, this is a life skill. This isn't just a like passing hobby. If you, you know, particularly like arugula, like this is, <laughs> this is important. <laughs> I love arugula. I do too. Um, I always pick up. I do have a follow-up, like follow, just very small follow-up question to that is like, how do we actually what like, like almost cataloging and bookmarking like all of these like uh, inequities and insecurities in our system? Um, how do we like start to have a more systemic conversation about those issues around like that like during this? Like I I. I like, because after this, I feel like we're going to be triaging like people who have lost branches of their families. And yeah. like, you know, I mean, this could go on for a year or two years of this dealing be... with the immediate crises. Yeah. So how do we start? And in the meantime, every day that our system continues to be set up this way is a the liability just is starting to grow again. So how do we like how do we start to have that conversation now as another nonprofit? Uh, person. I'm interested in that. I, I assume that Civic Lex has like a Google Doc going. <laughs> well, I can make one. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my plan. I think I'll you start a Trello board for everyone. <laughs> I love the idea of like using education, like to have conversations about like how many kids. Like I know that um, we did the was it school funding sort of like info thing. Um, just researching the amount of kids who are on like reduced lunch or free lunch at school. It was something that I didn't know. And it was way more kids than I had imagined. Yeah. So I think it's just a lot of this stuff. People just have no idea it's going on. And now is unfortunately like a really like a perfect time. Like it's yeah. there, it's right in front of us and, and we should talk about it. Well, <laughs> we should talk about it now and like talk about it more. And, and let's talk about the fact that, okay, so we have all these kids who we know are hungry guess what? There is no summer feeding program for their parents. Mm -hmm. right. um, so like, if that's the best safety net we can offer to people who are hungry is because of data that says kids who have an empty stomach can't learn. Okay, well, let's get them a Pop-Tart. Like, w we, we can do better than that. And that's, you know, what about our seniors? Like, there, it's just, it's so threadbare. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I and, and I, I, hate the idea of just like, oh, that's a problem. Let's yell about it and let's rant about it. But like, how do, what are what are we as a society willing to accept and what are we not? And mm -hmm. I think this circumstance will bring to bear, I mean, this whole, this flatten the curve thing, right? Like, all right, calling on your morals here now, right? Like partisan politics aside, like what is more important, the economy or your grandparents' lives? or your children's lives or whatever. And so we're, it, we've been able to talk about things very theoretically and very um, arms reach. And now it's like in our faces. So hopefully, um, you know, I still believe in the goodness of humanity. Um, 
hopefully we can have real true conversations. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have like sort of a follow-up question with that um, to the rest of like Alex and Dan more so um, of just like, how do you imagine the restaurant industry addressing these same concerns? It's like, how do you make it like, how, it, how do you imagine it to be like more sustainable um, and a little bit more, I don't want to say resilient, it's kind of a buzzword right now. Um, but how, how do you do that? And is that even possible in the industry? Like, what do you think about that? That's a great question. Um, I've been thinking about that. I'm I'm one of those people. I'm not naive or Pollyanna to think that we're going to resume business as usual in X number of months. That we're just going to open right back up and do what we did a year ago. Uh, I honestly think uh, some fundamental things might have to change um, with the way we do business uh, as small business owners, as restaurants. Um, I don't know what that looks like, um, and I don't know. How, you know, the, what we're doing right now as a, as a local restaurant industry is people are coming together, helping each other out. We're getting all these donations, all these volunteers for this um, greater good. I don't want to see that go away mm-hmm. when the health crisis goes away because the food need will still be here. And I'm hoping, my hope is, and I'd love to hear from Alex on this as well, um, is you know, these infrastructures that we're building right now and very much ad hoc and very much guerrilla style on the fly, um, they'll still exist when things return to normal, quote unquote. So how do we use those things? How do we be a part of a larger conversation uh, that's not just about how do I run my business and make money again, but how can we be fully integrated Mm -hmm. into the community? And I know it's a, I think it's a great question for Alex because a uh, cup of Commonwealth has always been very much like tied into the community, everything they do. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, we're obviously like hopeful for what can come out of this. And I, I totally agree with what you all were saying about, um, I hope that we kind of keep this collaboration going, um, keeping the um, the good vibes, I guess, going even past um, when this is hopefully over. But um, we always kind of say the um, you kind of you plan your work and you work your plan, and there are just going to be times that you're going to fall off. And I think this is one of those um, times where that's happening to everyone. We've kind of all fallen off our path, um, and so I think kind of figuring out, you know, we have our mission statement, embrace community, serve others, create culture, and we're always trying to adapt everything around that. Um, And so this week that looks so different than it did last week. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably next week it's going to look different than it does this week. And um, so I do think there is uh, part of the rolling with the punches a little bit where we're, you know, able to accept that um, today's Friday, but tomorrow's Saturday and the next day is Sunday, and it's totally going to be different. Um, but <laughs> Don't tell me what day it is, Alex. <laughs> um, but like within that, knowing that like, but what is the same is our mission. What is the same is this path that we are on, which is, um, you know, f- in survival mode, fighting for our, um, our staff, fighting on behalf of people. Um, and so, yeah, I think none of us obviously knows what's going to happen. And it's mm-hmm. scary, but we do know that we can go to bed at night knowing that we fought um, to the best of our ability for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Are you seeing that um, just throughout the restaurant community and like food and beverage community of just like the desire to keep up this kind of like community support and like close knit sort of network that's, that's developed in the past weeks? Like do people across yeah. the board not I think wanting so. to go back into yeah. normal? I, I think so. I don't know that we most of us are have the ability to look that far into the future. Mm-hmm. And honestly, there are plenty of people in the industry who are just figuring their own stuff out. And I'm all about forgiving yourself and forgiving other people for doing what you gotta do. Like I'm not gonna guilt trip anybody for not being involved in any sort of community stuff if they're trying to figure out how to keep their lights on right yeah. now and how to keep their people employed and how to keep their bills paid. I begrudge nobody any of that. I'm in a weird position in a way that I'm fully out of business. So it actually, in a weird way, like clears up my bandwidth and my energy to do some of this work 
if I were right now still trying to survive and doing delivery and curbside and struggling with that, I probably wouldn't have the, the emotional energy to work on something like this because I'm trying to see if I can get through another week of, you know, doing 20, 30, 40 percent of the business that I'm supposed to be doing, uh, just fighting to survive. So I think it, it, it's on different levels. Some of us have the ability and the privilege and the bandwidth to work on these sort of things. And some of us simply don't right now and are just struggling to, to get by. So it's, it's, it's kind of all over the map. But I think everybody's heart is still in the fight together and everybody, when they can, they're always trying to um, help each other. Even these businesses who were struggling, you know, going day to day, they're still wanting to donate, you know, uh, excess food or containers or, you know, throw us volunteers from their staff and things like that. So a lot of people are doing both. Mm-hmm. And there's that phrase, the, um, I don't remember the exact words, but it's, you know, high tides raise all ships. Um, and uh, we've always yes. wanted, you know, we've always tried to live that way because it really is true. Like, you know, in the coffee industry, um, it doesn't benefit, benefit us at all to be the lone coffee shop um and so i think now like it doesn't benefit anyone to be you know one of the few restaurants that survived we all want everyone to um survive and for the people within the walls to survive um and to thrive so i think working together really does make it a difference um to help us all kind of get up there as opposed to just some of us mm-hmm. Anybody else like to add anything or any questions? We're about three minutes, it's 3.57, so we're about to end um, the meeting. But if anybody else would like to ask a question or share anything, I would encourage you to go ahead and do that now. I have a quick question for Alex, if I can. Sure. Um, I'd love to know, and, and I know we're all in survival mode and looking at today and tomorrow and not much further ahead. Have you all thought about uh, whether or not your business model will change after the health crisis is over um, or if you will try to remain the same or what adaptations or ideas have you thought about? Because I've, I've been thinking about Atomic Ramen and I don't know if Atomic Ramen will return in its current form, if that's even possible or if that's you know, what I want depending on what the climate looks like. So I'm curious to what the conversations have been for you guys. Yeah, um, we nothing obviously is for sure. Um, I think one thing we did realize was um, we've kind of talked about doing delivery for a long time, and this super forced our hand. So I think that um, uh, we were able to kind of be like, oh, this actually this can work. Um, and honestly, even curbside stuff has not, um, it's not been as hard to kind of train people as maybe we thought it could have been. So um, I, I don't know exactly what we'll end up doing. I'm not sure uh, what we will carry over, but I, I think that this has shown us that we are capable of a few more ways of serving customers. Um, so yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm kind of excited to see what we can do and we'll probably try to like add in things as it comes. So yeah, did that answer your question? Yeah, sure. As, as, as best as anybody right now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought, Richard, do you have anything to add? Your mic was off. I was like, oh, you wanted to say something, but you might not. Oh, no, I just forgot to turn it. I forgot to mute okay. myself. Okay. <laughs> Becca, do you, um, from your perspective, um, do you have kind of okay, so, do you have a comment for that? But going forward, do you see? Um, I guess Richard asked that. You know, we sort of already talked about that. But are you are you thinking of changing the way like food chain not operates, but just the future of food chain and changes that it might make? Um, we are going to keep feeding the fish, mm-hmm. and yeah. one time, quite <laughs> <Right>, literally. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we can do. Well, I want to thank everybody um, for being here and participating today um, and taking the time to join in this meeting. I know it's kind of weird. Um, just we don't do this every day. <laughs> We're all pretty new to it. Um, but I thought, I, I think I learned a lot and I hope other people did. Um, and I just want to thank you all for being here. 
Thanks for having me. Oh, I do have one thing. Yeah, I, I do have one thing I want to add before people jump off. Uh, is that we're going to be having another one of these next week on Wednesday, it looks like, um, focusing on the nonprofit sector with uh, Lisa from the Community Foundation, who's on this call, uh, and Danielle Floor from the Kentucky Nonprofit Network. So talking about how this is impacting nonprofits. Uh, so and I would add, um, if anyone an has out. a question, sorry, if anyone has a question or like had something they wanted to address but maybe like didn't want to speak up or just we didn't have time, um, email us at, what you say, info at civiclocks? dot org info at civiclex.org um, with any question you might have and we will um, get you pointed in the right direction have an answered or addressed mm -hmm. yeah. thank you thank guys for coordinating this yeah thank you so thank much you. Oh, thanks for participating thank you yep. well, thank you <laughs> thanks everybody bye bye bye, bye. 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 bye.